What's going on, everyone? Welcome into Pleasant's Podcast, and today we've got a great episode for you on kind of a, a dry sports day. Uh, we're going to go first with last night's news today. Uh, next, we're just rolling right into some uh, notable NBA news. Uh, then we're going to get into my exclusive freezing cold take. I mean, this freezing cold take is just un- honestly unbelievable. Next up, can't go a day without this. We're going to have Plaisance locks. It's going to be absolutely off the chain. I have an absolute special for you guys today. You've got to tune in and hear this one. It's out of this world. And then last but not least, I'm going to be calling who I think is going to be getting the Auburn head coaching job. So stay tuned for that at the end. So without further ado, let's get into last night's news today. 49ers decided just to walk into Mexico City and demolish the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I mean, look, the Cardinals have so many problems all over the field. It's with injuries, their culture, defense, coaching, you name it. I mean, you can't win a game against the 49ers without Kyler Murray. You know, and it's even harder to win that game instead of Kyler Murray to put Colt McCoy in there. I mean, he's most notably known for getting absolutely destroyed in a national championship game 13 years ago. I I honestly just don't know where the Cardinals go from here. You've got uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who I don't think is a very good coach. You just extended him. It doesn't make a lot of sense to fire him now. Uh, you've got Kyler Murray, who initially had a... Uh, lockdown iPad clause where he could only watch film instead of like playing video games in his contract in an NFL contract before this season started. And then the, the contract broke, it was leaked to the media and he had to go out into a press conference and basically defend himself and say, I am not an eight year old child. I can work hard myself. That honestly just started the season off terribly Cardinals started the season without DeAndre Hopkins. He was suspended for uh, for using PEDs. It's just now turning into the dumpster fire that it has always been. Uh, somebody just decided to throw some gasoline on it. And that somebody is Jimmy Garoppolo. He looked like Tom Brady last night. <sighs> He's still not the Super Bowl quarterback that everybody wants him to be. But by God, that man is handsome Probably one of the most handsome men that you'll ever see. I heard somebody earlier today saying that he belongs on every single shaving commercial ever. And they're not wrong. The man is gorgeous. The 49ers are finally getting their stuff together on another note. Uh, they look like they're going to probably be back in the NFC Championship game like they have been contending for for the last four or five years. Uh, so, I mean, it was a decent game last night. Definitely good for your fantasy stats if you were paying attention to that. But other than that... Not too much to write home about. Now, we're going to move on into some NBA news. Uh, look, the Western Conference, it's up for grabs. And I don't think it's ever been this competitive this far into the season. Right now, there are eight teams, eight, one through eight, that are either in the first seed or they're one game behind. And that is, I can't tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Uh Quality of play seems slightly down from past years, but I think that's just because there's not like a top-tier team to set the tone like the Golden State Warriors have in the past or the like the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron. Um, there's just so many different teams playing at pretty much an equal level that there's no like standout. 
I think that's good for like NBA parody and storytelling, but it's not good for like a casual viewer. Um, so I, I think I support what's going on in the NBA right now. Look, the Lakers are finally coming back to life. They've won their last three games, and Anthony Davis is averaging 35 and 17. He looks like retro AD, but he's getting the ball a lot more because LeBron James has not played. And I think that's going to change when LeBron comes back. Uh, the Lakers have a huge matchup against the Suns tonight, so we're going to see how that plays out. If they could pull off an upset there, that could be a catalyst at a Lakers comeback for the season and possibly get them into like the sixth or the seventh seed by the end of the year. Um, but Russell Westbrook is also playing great off the bench, and I'm really excited to see that. Um, I don't know if he belongs on this team, but if he's going to belong on the team, I'd love to see some good play, and he's been playing great recently. Next up, after their 114-102 victory against the Atlanta Hawks last night, the Cleveland Cavaliers, to me, are looking like legit playoff contenders, question mark? Possibly championship contenders? That's what I'm leaning towards. Um, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell looking like the best guard combo in the league. I couldn't name a duo that's doing better right now. I mean, you do have names like Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons and Steph and Clay, but Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell are setting the bar this year, and I'm really excited to see that from a small market team. Uh, and like Speaking of small market teams, the Pacers – are light years ahead of where they're supposed to be right now. I mean, look, look at teams that are similarly built like they are. You've got, and when I say like them, I mean young, uh, inexperienced, uh, rebuilding teams. You've got the Rockets, the Magic, and the Pistons, all similarly shaped. You've got like a guard, center, shooting guard, maybe small forward combo in there. Pacers look phenomenal. I mean, you've got Tyrese Halliburton, who's playing out of his mind, averaging 10 assists a game. You've got Benedict Mathurn, who I don't think anybody was talking about him at the draft this past year, but he's playing excellent basketball. And then last but certainly not least, you've still got Jalen Smith, who is a much quieter third of all these young players on this team, but he is still playing phenomenal basketball. You've got Players just now entering in their prime in Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. I mean, I do think with Rick Carlisle as their coach, they could make some noise. It's definitely possible. And I'm going to wrap up this NBA coverage with a take. And this isn't a cold take. This is just what I have to say about this situation. It's more, actually, it's more of a question. So my question is, should the Oklahoma City Thunder trade SGA? It's, it's clear that the Thunder are not going to be playoff contenders this year, but I swear, Shea just does not want to lose. He is the reason why the Thunder are 7-10. You know, that's not a great record, but that's definitely not taking for Victor Wimbayana record. He's averaging 37-8-5 in Thunder wins. I just... I think the Thunder are currently playing him and giving him a ton of minutes, not for his development, because he seems like he's crested into what he's going to be. I think they're playing him so that people can see him play and offer trades for him. I mean, look, the Thunder absolutely fleeced the Clippers in the Paul George trade. They got two pick swaps, SGA and five first-round picks. That's insane. I mean, Paul George is a great player, but that's he's nowhere near worth that amount of talent. 
I mean, the Nets were asking for three first-rounders for Kevin Durant, and the Thunder got five for Paul George. That's insane. I do think that Sam Presti is going to try to trade SGA, though. He's just slightly ahead of the Thunder's timeline. They want to be good in about three years, and they're going to have to start paying SGA like big, big money in the next two to three years. And you can't have a team younger than that trying to um, take ups and swallow basketball touches and minutes from SGA when you're paying him that much money. Speaking of basketball coverage, this is it. This is Plizant's freezing cold take of today. And my take, Victor Wimbayana is going to be the biggest bust in NBA draft history. There are unicorns in almost every single draft that we have. But we have never seen one pan out besides LeBron James, the most hyped up prospect of all time. And when I say unicorns, I'm talking about these giant athletic freaks. Look, you had one with Chet Holmgren, who has not even played an NBA game yet, and he's going to miss this entire season. You've got one, you've got people like Greg Oden. And when I'm talking about unicorns, I'm not talking about like hyped up prospects like uh, Anthony Edwards or Cade Cunningham. I'm talking about these massive uh, guys with that are like seven plus feet tall and could be like the next Hakeem or something like that. Players that just seem like they're just going to be so injury prone. So yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Chet Holmgren, James Wiseman, who was picked by the Warriors a couple years ago, Dragon Bender, he's torn his ACL twice now. Jabari Parker, he's not as tall, but he has already torn his ACL three or four times. Hashim Tabit, I mean, he, could, he couldn't last in the NBA. I don't even think he played a full season. Uh, and then last but not least, we all know the case of, in my opinion, the biggest draft bust up to current date, Greg Oden. Wimbiana is skinny. He's frail. He's not playing in a very physical league. He's currently playing for the Metropolitans 92 in the French League. I mean, France is one of the better Euro countries, but it's just not the NBA level of physicality. And that's saying something, considering that the NBA has gotten much softer on the physicality side over the past few years. I just don't buy it. He looks kind of slow and lanky when he plays. And, you know, it's really easy when he's going up against guys that will never even sniff the G League. But I just, I want to see him in the draft next year. I want to see him in the G League. I want to see how he performs against other NBA-level talent. Uh, but for now, I'm not buying it. People are continuing to hype him up. LeBron is hyping him up. I saw Giannis is, is saying that he's a unicorn. He's a once-in-a-lifetime player. I just think that he's the hot thing right now, and people are buying in. I'm I'm not right now. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the special of tonight, and I'm hyping this up because of how utterly insane these locks are. Now, look, we went one and one on our locks last night. That's fine. But tonight is Plizont's first lock parlay. Let's get into it. So look, we've got two, 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 two locks for tonight. First up, college football. I've cooked up a nice little lay, and it's really to just get your money up, guys. So pay attention. 
We're going with Ohio football on a Tuesday. We're watching college football on a Tuesday. That's when you know this is the best time of the year. When you can watch football on a Tuesday night. I decided to go with Ohio minus three and a half, which is an alternate line. I also said I wanted Ohio money line in the first half. And I wanted the over, which is another alternate, over 44 and a half. Okay. Ohio's going up against Bowling Green. They're, the similar matchups that they faced are all heavily slanted towards Ohio. There's not really there's not really any outliers. Flat out, their offense get outgains Bowling Green against the exact same opponents by over 100 yards per game. Now, usually I don't like to look at head-to-head matchups uh, when they play interconference games because the scenarios are so different, but they've both played all of their conference games except for this one, so I think this is... I think this is fine. You can now see the identities of both teams. Ohio is going to dominate, I think. But we're going to play it safe and only cover minus three and a half. Ohio's only losses are to teams that are objectively better. Uh, They lost to Iowa State, Penn State, and Kent State. All of them uh, higher ranked statistically, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Bowling Green is six and five. Uh, They've slipped in a couple of their conference games. I just don't buy that Bowling Green is going to be able to outscore Ohio. In their wins, Ohio is scoring 46 points per game and winning on an average of 15 points per game. That's easy money. Sprint and bink. Take it to the cash machine. Let's ride. Next up, I will be watching this game. Ohio is going to have to take a backseat to Ben Simmons' return to Philadelphia. Now look, I think probably everybody and their mother is fading Ben Simmons tonight. But I'm a madman. We're going to ride Ben Simmons tonight. He's been averaging 16-5-9 in his last three games. And he's on 80% shooting. Okay, He's talked about coming back to Philadelphia in his last few interviews. And he seems pretty confident. It seems like he's finally put his mental health stuff beside himself. And he's going to get into this game. And I think that he's going to score 15 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. Cash that in, plus 436. I love it. It's a risky parlay, but it's my parlay. Lock it in, baby. Now, usually I only give two locks for the day. But I saw this college basketball game and I just couldn't resist. We got to go with Northwestern minus three versus Liberty. This is a neutral site game in one of those Howie Maui tournaments. But unlike football, Liberty is just not, they're not a basketball school. They're not equipped to play other sports. They're just a football school because they have Hugh Freeze. But they're not a basketball school. They're four and eight in their last 12 matchups with power five schools. And they lose those games on an average of 13 points per game. That's easy money for Northwestern, who is now 20-6 and six in their last four seasons against non-conference opponents. That's a pretty good record, in my opinion. They're winning those games on an average of 17 points a game. And to me, this looks like another give-me game like I got you last night with Georgia and St. Joe's. I loved that game. I love this game. We're going to go ahead and throw down The rent on Northwestern minus three. Blizzon is not responsible for missing locks. Please gamble responsibly.
And to wrap up the show today, we're going to get into who I think is going to be the next Auburn football coach. Okay, so let's let's talk about some context around this job. They just fired Brian Harson. Uh, he was a poor coach, a poor recruiter. He had a poor record, and he had some scandals. Uh, according to Twitter, I don't want to get too deep into this, but according to Twitter, he was having an affair with an assistant that he hired uh, that was at Boise State as a cheerleader. Looked kind of suspicious, but not making any accusations. Just all bad press for Brian Harson. They paid him his $15 million. He's gone. They just paid Gus Malzahn $15 million about two years ago. I don't know where Auburn football is at this point, but I do know that their boosters just love throwing money around. It doesn't matter to them. I do think somebody's going to have to get in there and say, we've got to tighten this up, though, because that is a terrible look for Auburn University to just throw away $30 million on two coaches that aren't even coaching for your football program anymore. Get it together, Tigers. Now, I'm saying that as an Alabama fan, trying to be objective, but I digress. Let's talk about the potential candidates. We've got Hugh Freeze from Liberty. He was the old old Miss coach. Um, I don't know how good of a recruiter he is. He's a pretty good offensive mind, which is what Auburn likes, uh, considering that they got Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn, and then quote-unquote a good offensive mind and Brian Harson. Uh, they've also got Lane Kiffin, who is probably the best offensive mind in the country. He currently coaches at Ole Miss. I, me personally, I just don't see there being that much of a difference between coaching at Ole Miss and Auburn. But, you know, that might be my Alabama fan bias. But, you know, moving on, I think a dark horse candidate is probably Deion Sanders from Jacksonville State. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave. He's got his son at Jack State. Uh, I don't think his son is a, a SEC caliber player. Uh, I could be wrong, but unless Auburn decides to just throw an absolute bag at Dion, I doubt that he's going to end up becoming the next Tigers head coach. Now, this is probably, in my opinion, the most practical coach that Auburn should go after or is probably going to go after. And that's Dan Lanning at Oregon. Look, after they got obliterated by Georgia in Dan Lanning's first game, Oregon has played phenomenal football since. They were upset by Washington, but that's, I mean, if that's the worst part of your season outside of Georgia, I mean, I think you're going to have to get over that in your head coach's first season. Auburn could offer him, like I said, offer, offer him the bag, and I'm sure that he'll come back to the SEC. He was previously the defensive coordinator at Georgia, and I mean, I'm sure he loves the SEC and would love to come back and participate in some more competitive college football rather than staying around in the Cupcake Pac-12 uh, right as USC and UCA are leaving for the Big Ten. Now, this right here, this is my prediction. I think it's clear that the boosters, they don't like a coach who has a big personality. Uh, as you could see from uh, Gus Malzahn, Gene Chizik and Brian Harson. none of those guys were big personalities. The Auburn Boosters kind of want somebody that they can push around. And I'm not saying that harshly. I'm saying that more along the lines of uh, it seems that these Auburn Boosters kind of just do whatever they want, and they want a coach who will also do what they want. And, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is that the Auburn Boosters don't know football, and that could lead to some problems in the future. 
but I think that the perfect candidate for them is already there in interim coach Cadillac Williams. He's also a fan favorite. I mean, if you watched that stadium in the last two home games where they won both of them, everyone was going nuts for Cadillac. He's a former player. He played in the early 2000s for Auburn when they were really, really good under Tommy Tuberville. Uh, It seems like he has the fans bought in to him and his style. I wouldn't be surprised. He's a very charismatic guy. Uh, He's got a lot of swag to him. He's still young. I mean, he's probably, I think, still in his, uh, he might still be in his 30s, maybe early 40s. It's pretty good for recruiting. I just don't think Auburn wants another long-term risk because that's what you would have to do if you hired Lane Kiffin, who had a bad stint at Tennessee and a bad stint at USC. And you wouldn't want to lock up somebody like Hugh Freeze, who's not exactly proven in uh, SEC play. I mean, I, I do think that either they're going to take a massive risk and hire somebody like a Dan Lanning or a Deion Sanders or play it safe with a Cadillac Williams. Now, he's probably not going to win any SEC championships for Auburn if he becomes the coach. He's probably not going to beat Alabama that often, but I will say that he will have the fans bought in to their program, pretty similarly to how Bruce Pearl has Auburn bought into their basketball program. But that's all I'm going to say about Auburn. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, Auburn boosters are going to do what the Auburn boosters want. And that's pretty much the end of the story. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Plaisance Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow.